0: This is a talk about uh, divine filiation. Filiation meaning that you are a child. Divine filiation meaning that you're a child of God. And the key takeaway of this talk, uh, as Saint Josemaria envisages this, is being whose son are you? You're God's son, and that means you are important. And what you do is therefore important. Um, St. Maria talks about this as being the key aspects of the spirit of, Saint, of Opus Dei. So when Opus Dei was very new, um, new old enough that it already had some priests, because um, as this has been recounted to me, it was one of the young priests of the movement that was giving a talk And he said, the thing of Opus Dei, what defines it is humility. And Jose Maria at the back of the chapel says, no, (laughs) interrupts him and says, no, the thing that defines Opus Dei is divine filiation. Uh, Which is interesting. So he doesn't say, you know, the opening talk I gave you is about sanctifying ordinary life, sanctifying ordinary work. But actually, underneath that, the thing that is characteristic, he says, is being a son of God. So, that's where I'm going to kind of try and unpack and explain about why this is so important and what it means in the way St. Josemaria packages it. So, if we think about the Lord Jesus, who is Christ, as I say there, when the voice speaks from heaven, both at his baptism and at the transfiguration on the mountaintop, what does the voice say? This is my son, the beloved. And if we are Christians, if we're modeling ourselves on him, finding our meaning in him, he's the son of God, by our union with him, we become likewise sons of God. So that is the thing. And those of you who've done any work with um, IPF, the Institute of Priestly Formation, one of their kind of uh, defining things too is if you're going to be trained to be a spiritual father you first have to know what it means to be a son. You can't be a father to others without first knowing for yourself what it means to be a son. So this has implications on lots of things. Now one of the things I'm going to in this talk try and contrast is two saints. Um, So St. Therese of Lisieux and Saint Josemaria. Saint Therese of Lisieux, uh, the little flower, as she's known. Um, Josemaria called himself the donkey. So the little flower and the donkey. And I imagine for many of you, be true, like for myself, um, if I was gonna say who was the first love of my life in terms of the saints of the church, it would be the little flower, it would be Saint Therese, an incredibly influential saint in the life of the church only just over a hundred years of influence, but had a, has had a huge impact. And what defines her spiritual childhood. But I want to note how it's different from the vision of St. Josemaria, even though both are about, in different senses, divine affiliation. And obviously I'm putting two people I love against each other in this. They both have a valid uh, Perspective, but I, I want to try and articulate why what St. Jose Maria is saying is actually different. And those of you who have been to my office, you might see there is a bank of four saints um, ranked, and St. <laughs> Saint, uh, Saint Therese ranks above St. Jose Maria in the affections of my heart. But I am on this question going to say I think St. Jose Maria has a vision that actually is more useful for us, particularly. As priests and as men. Now, on the sheet I've given you there, I've noted some uh, st- from Wikipedia, some standard criticisms. of Wikipedia, I know we get really reputable sources. Um, what it calls has a section on spiritual childhood, a section of what it calls standard criticisms, um, particularly of St. Therese. And You know, even those of us who love her, uh, you read her books and sentimental, immature, infantilizing, girly, dare we say. Um, Or if you're going to say those same things positively, simple. um, And then I quote from Wikipedia, an approach to the spiritual life that people of every background can understand and adopt. But the sentimental thing, the infantilizing thing, the girly thing, she was very girly. Um, The way she writes, very girly. Um, If we look at our church today, I note there, the few men in church in our culture, even fewer single men, and religion is seen as a feminine thing. Um, So one of the things we need is a vision of the spiritual life that isn't feminine Um, and I think St. Josemaria offers us that. But first, what does St. Therese say uh, in a sense more positively? So St. Therese of Lisieux, uh, just reminding her dates, 1873 to 1897, um, died very young. Pius X described her as the greatest saint of the 20th century. If you note, she died in the 19th century, so there's kind of a a significance he's putting saying, yes, she died then, but for him, our century, the 20th century, the greatest saint of the century. And she describes spiritual childhood in terms of being little, that the little child looks to God, being humble and having confidence in God, because the Father loves us, because the father is strong. Similarly, she talks all about simplicity that, you know, when children are really little, they can't even lie yet. That there's just a very straightforward simplicity about them. Um, love, um, all of which she calls her little way. So I've got a quote there from her. She says, I I will seek out a means of getting to heaven by a little way, very short, very straight, a little way that is wholly new. We live in an age of inventions. Nowadays, the rich need not trouble to climb the stairs. They have elevators instead. Well, I mean to try and find an elevator by which I may be raised unto God, for I am too tiny to climb the steep stairway of perfection. Thine arms then, O Jesus, are the lift which must get me, which must raise me up even unto heaven. To get there I need not grow. On the contrary, I must remain little. I must become still less. So everything in her vision about spiritual childhood is about the child being little, and about God being great. Um, And obviously that is hugely important. St. Josemaria, though, runs with that same thing about child of God, but in a different way. So to quote on the next page um, from the canonization homily St. John Paul II gave, describing St. Josemaria's vision, he described him as a master in the practice of prayer, his constant pastoral concern was to share among all men and women, um, the call to share through Christ in the dignity of God's children. That's a different focus, the dignity of God's children. So St. Therese, you are little, you are loved, be humble, trust in the greatness of God. St. Josemaria, if you are a child of God, then you are important and you have dignity, and what you do has dignity. Now when Saint Josemaria was still a young priest, um, so at the age of 26 in 1928, he first, as he puts it, saw Opus Dei. He doesn't claim to have had a vision, but somehow he, he saw the task that he was to be given, to create this organization to form people, lay people in an ordinary way to sanctify their ordinary lives, their ordinary work. So at 26, very young as a priest. Three years later, at the age of 29, after he'd kind of been working at this for a while, he reached the stage where it just seemed too much. The, the vision, the task, he felt inadequate for it. it seemed beyond him felt unworthy, and he describes how in this state of feeling utterly unable to do what he thought God was asking him to do, he had this moment on a tram in the midst of the busyness of the city, when in prayer he grasped a sense of divine filiation. And he describes how he spent the rest, divine filiation, grasped a sense I am a son of God. He, says he, he wandered around the rest of that day imbued with a sense that he is a son of God. And he called this experience, as I put in bold there, the greatest grace of my entire life. The sense, I'm a son of God. And he said it marked him forever. So quoting from him there, I felt the action of the Lord. He was making spring forth in my heart and on my lips with the force of something imperatively necessary, this tender invocation, Abba, Pater, Abba, Pater." I was out on the street in a street car. Probably I made that prayer out loud and I walked the streets of Madrid for maybe an hour, maybe two, I can't say. Time passed without my being aware of it. They must have thought I was crazy. I was contemplating with lights that were not mine that amazing truth. It was like a lighted coal burning in my soul, never to be extinguished. So he's given this sense. He said, the greatest grace of my life. Um, so what was that sense? I'm going to unpack some things that complement St. Therese, but are different in their focus. So, a firstborn son. Uh, If we think of the Scriptures, if we think of history, a firstborn son is of huge significance. A firstborn son is the heir to the throne. So Romans puts it, if children, then heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So we've just watched in England how um, the king has become king because he was the firstborn son. Um, the other children, um, in a sense, irrelevant, but the firstborn son has this dignity, the heir, inherits everything. This is the vision, divine filiation. Um, so divine filiation in St. Maria's vision is a thing of dignity, of status, of power, of vocation. Quoting Romans again, God predestined us to become conformed to the image of his Son, that he should be the firstborn among many brethren. Another way of phrasing it, encourage a motivation. Quoting Hebrews, Have you forgotten that encouraging text in which you are addressed as sons. So in all of this, if you are a son of God, you have dignity, you have value, and with what we were looking at before, sanctifying your ordinary work, sanctifying your ordinary life, what you do has value. next noted a little section there I've called the pride of a son of God. And I've said this is an approach distinctive of Saint Josemaria. Um, I say a virtuous type of pride, um, which we can compare with magnanimity or greatness of soul. So quoting Saint Thomas there, the magnanimous tend to great things. Yeah, we all know what did the rector write his doctorate on? He wrote it on the virtue of magnanimity, greatness of soul. If you have this virtue, this greatness of soul, you know you have been made for great things and therefore you strive for the great things. You're not content to just be nothing. You're made in the image of God. You're made in this particular context, a son of God. Strive for the greatness. Um, that goes with that. number of quotes I could take from St Josemaria on this point, but one that's um, striking, I've quoted there from The Way. Um, Father said that big fellow, a good student at the university, I was thinking of what you told me, that I'm a son of God, and I found myself walking along the street, head up, chin out, and a proud feeling inside, a son of God. With sure conscience, I advised him to foster, to to encourage that pride. So again, this doesn't contradict humility. Magnanimity, greatness of soul, is only properly ordered when it's coupled with the virtue of humility. But this is a different focus. There have been many, I would say, the last century that's seen so much degrading of human dignity. um, That a vision of the human person, the vision of the Christian, the Son of God who has this dignity, is a really important thing for us to recapture. My next little section there, I say the dignity in italics of a son of God. Now, the practical implication that that means every detail matters, that the small details are seen by the Father. So the dignity of what you're doing, what this implies, isn't from you, it's from God. You are a son of His, therefore what you do gains a value, gains a dignity because of that relationship you have with Him. So, you're writing a little paper for your seminary work, and it's a little thing, and in one sense it seems to mean nothing. But if it is a Son of God who is doing it, then it must matter, it must have a dignity. The dignity of the Son of God. Next little section, the joy of a son of God. So say a fruit of loving and a fruit of knowing that you are loved. Then quote again from Saint Josemir, happy, the question made me think, am I happy? Words have not yet been invented to express all we feel in the heart and in the will when we know ourselves to be a son of God. you know, in the other things I teach in more theology when we talk about virtue, when we talk about what it means to possess divine charity, the fruit of love is joy. And the fruit of knowing you are loved is joy. So one of the fruits of knowing you are a son of God that you have been made with dignity, made with importance, made and loved, there should be a natural joy that flows out of that. My last block quote here is is about the cross. So here St. Josemaria is taking things in a more difficult direction that the experience of the cross is somehow an experience of being a son. Um, And we all can remember, do you not recall that encouraging text when you are addressed as sons? If you're being disciplined, you are being trained. You are loved as a son. So, uh, sorry, back here, quoting again from him. When the Lord was giving me blows in 1931, I did not understand. And suddenly in the midst of such bitterness, I heard those words, Psalm 11, seven, you are my son, you are Christ. I could only repeat Abba, Father, Abba, Father, Abba, Abba, Abba. I see it more clearly than ever. To have the cross is to identify oneself with Christ, it is to be Christ, and therefore to be a Son of God. So not, I'm a Son of God in spite of my suffering, I'm loved in spite of my suffering, but the Father loves his Son by training him. His Father loves his Son for us by giving us a share in the cross. which is a very difficult teaching to absorb, to learn, to accept in practice. Um, I guess to quote St. Therese again, but differently, you might recall when she's reflecting uh, in her autobiography about the suffering of her father uh, in his latter years, she says, how she knew her son was loved by God Rather, well, she knew her father was loved by God because God was allowing him to suffer. Which you've got to have incredible faith and clarity of, of supernatural sight to, to see that. But this is the same point St. Jose Maria is making. To experience the cross is a particular way of experiencing um, divine affiliation. So my last little subsection there is about the priest and divine filiation. Uh, and I have a quote there from St. Maria: Sanctity in the priest as well as in the layman is no other than the perfection of the Christian life, which is the fullness of divine filiation. So everything I've been saying applies to the laity and to the priest, um, but there's a particular sense in which the priest By being conformed to Christ, being conformed to Christ the High Priest, being conformed to Christ the Son of God, that we possess this in a certain kind of fullness. And if you, uh, in future years, attend somewhere, an Opus Dei house and regular formation there, one of the things they will have always in their sessions is an opportunity for confession. And they'll lead, um, through an examination of conscience, particularly devised for priests. And the last question in those examinations of consciences is, is, do I perform my priestly ministry with the joy of knowing I'm a son of God? That connection between my priestly ministry and the joy of knowing I'm a son of God. Okay, so summarizing all that, putting it all together, um, what is St. Josemaria's vision of divine filiation. Because it's not an utterly new thing in the church. Yeah, But I am saying that there's a, a new twist that he brings to it. I said it's a strong and not a weak image of Christianity. Of dignity, status, vocation. That the ordinary work has value because you have value. You are a child, little, therefore trust, therefore have confidence. You are a son, you know, and whether you're a daughter or a son, the same image applies. The image of the firstborn son is the status we all have, male, female, by um, our union with Christ. Therefore you are an heir, so to have pride in that, to see your value, And with that to know that you are loved and to have joy, happiness, security in that identity.